This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's real simple, you know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Right on, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder at, of the Chicago Tribune at Hallis Hall. After day two of padded practice, things ramped up, as they say. Things revved up for the defense. Not a good day for the offense, Dan. This is the time of training camp. It's always on the calendar where people start to worry about one bad practice because it sounds (laughs) like the offense had one bad practice. Well, you've got a choice at training camp. Every single day you come out here, you want the good news or the bad news. The, uh, <laughs> the bad news is that the offense was ugly today. They were they were inefficient. They were sloppy. Uh, they were flat, in the words of their starting quarterback. The good news is that the defense, uh, albeit the second unit defense going against the ones, and then the first unit defense going against the second offense, was really sharp and playing with fire and playing with the type of, uh, I, I guess, edge that, that you really want to see them develop here. And so it's a zero-sum game, and, and so it depends on which uh, choose-your-own-adventure you want to go down. Well, because there's so much focus on the quarterback and so much yes. focus on the receivers and how the offensive line is coming together, let's keep the focus there because no that was where I believe – let's start with Justin Fields. He met with the media after the practice. Let's let's start with that, Dan, because I think uh, – here you describe his demeanor in the interview room, and then we can get into what made him kind of feel the way that he did, a little deflated, if you will, or just a little bit, you know, obviously critical of his own – uh, offense, but um, take us inside the interview room and and what Justin Fields shared with you. Well, I will say this uh, to Justin's credit, a sign of perhaps his maturity. Uh, you know, we were uh, expecting perhaps a surly Justin Fields after a, a practice today that was, as by all accounts, by Justin's own account, rough and bumpy and inefficient and all those things that we mentioned. And and he came 
to the media room with, with, you know, good spirits and an understanding that this is something that, that the bears can learn from in early August that can hopefully help them in September and October and November. He said he met with his teammates after practice to, to really push the notion of when the defense is playing against us with a level of juice and, and swagger and, and edge, we got to match it. And we've got to take every little positive play that we have and sometimes inject a little, enthusiasm and emotion into that positive gain, you know, to get that, to get that juice flowing, to get that energy moving in the right direction. I think it's a, a notable um, observation. I think it's a notable mission now for this offense going forward to try to develop some of that. The problem is, is when you look personality wise, it's uh, you know, you have to, to play that game of trying to generate that juice and the energy without making it artificial. And that's going to take some calibrating, I think for this group, because you've got a guy like Darnell Mooney, who's naturally kind of a, a quieter type of guy. You've got a guy like DJ Moore who, you know, he, can show his fire at times, um, but is is more steady. You've got Justin, who is pretty stoic uh, in most cases, and, and is very calm as a quarterback should be, but may need to, to kind of ramp that up a little bit so that the people around him ramp it up a little bit. It's an interesting kind of formula that they've got to put together emotionally, even as they go back now uh, on Wednesday afternoon and, and dig into the tape and try to figure out X's and O's wise and execution wise and, and performance wise, what went wrong beyond just the energy. And emotionally, Justin Fields is the leader of this group. He may be only in his third season, but that is the role and the responsibility that comes with being a franchise quarterback, which is why I think when he went to the podium today, this was good to hear. And this was kind of part of the job as well that he needs to. Obviously, this is probably one of his strengths right now as a quarterback and saying things as honest uh, and as candid as he does and holding, I think, him and his teammates accountable. And this is what he had to say about basically the defense winning the practice. We're in a good spot right now. You know, I think the biggest thing we need to do is be more consistent. And um, I think today in practice, we came out probably a little flat. So um, I just talked to the guys after practice and just, you know, every little thing that we do that, you know, every little win that we have on the field, we just need to have energy about it because that energy is contagion. That's one thing I think the defense does well is like every little thing that they do you know dbs are always hyper stuff up they're always ah doing ah so it's like and that just like gets the whole defense going so you know i told the offense today like we just need to have that same juice as the defense did but i felt like the defense came out and they uh they competed well with this and i would say that they definitely won the day so uh you know we have an update tomorrow but the next day you know offense has to come back stronger so offense that are like that i mean on the side you got bro jack and you know how those guys gonna be tomorrow what are guys offensively that are naturally like that i would say chase for sure i would say chase is a very emotional player um you know even today he was getting it getting into it with the defense a little bit i would say chase is one big one uh mooney's more like just calm he's more like even killed um I would say DJ's the same way, but I think, you know, once he really starts making plays, I mean, you've, you've seen on the field the uh, game winner where PJ threw that, the deep bomb. I mean, he was he had a bunch of energy there. So I just think we need to do it more in practice. I feel like it's more natural in the game to, to where that energy comes from. But I would say, you know, we need, need, need to do it more in practice to get everybody kind of going like that. David, you know, there's a couple notable things I take out of that clip. The first one is, is, is Justin's right. It is more natural in the game. We've seen Justin display that emotion in games after big runs, after big plays, after big moments and, and drives that result in touchdowns. And, and so I think his kind of um, almost a self-talk to himself is like, all right, let's bring that out every day. Let's try to bring it out of myself. Let's try to bring it out of the guys around me. The second thing that I take note of out of that bite is I would not be leaning on 
Chase Claypool to be your emotional tone setter. I mean, Darnell Mooney came into the media room a little bit after uh, Justin Fields and described Chase as a hothead, as a guy who, who who needs people around him to keep his emotions in check. And so that's not the guy that I would be given the match to and saying, hey, go light our fire because he's bound to, to burn the whole huddle down, you know? And so um, they're going to have to find a, a calibration there that, that makes sense for them. Um, and, and look, like I, I think Mooney also said afterwards that, you know, it, it does start with the quarterback and the quarterback's got to be in energy source and a tone setter inside the huddle and and when it feels flat and when it feels like the energy is low well now it's your job not only to call the play and execute the play but you got to get guys kind of amped up okay so i've got a lot of thoughts on this so i think first of all i want to qualify everything that we're talking about and everything i'm about to say that i don't really put a lot of stock and i don't think many a lot of people don't but it's a practice in august before the first preseason game which precedes you know the second there's not a whole lot to, to base, um, or, or you shouldn't get too overwhelmed, good Fair. or bad. Fair. But I'd also think that when I hear Justin Fields, yeah, you're nodding a lot, and I'm, I'm hearing that, and everybody likes what they hear because it does reflect leadership as we talk about. But I don't think he's got it right here. And not just picking on Justin Fields, but I always think that this is a mistake by young quarterbacks, in football specifically. It, offensive players and offensive performance – you know, execution is not related to emotion. That's defense. That's the way you play defense. At the NFL and college football, at high school, at any level, you have to be in a, have a defensive mentality. You have to bring the adrenaline. You have to be like Eddie Jackson chirping all the time. You've got to be like a guy that gets yourself at a place so you can, you know, if you're a lineman, have all these car crashes after car crashes every single snap. That's a, an emotional way to play football. On offense, it's so de- de- it's so dependent on precision and poise. I don't know that there's that much room for all that passion or if it matters. So I don't know that, like, I want my quarterback to come in the huddle and be the most jacked-up guy. I want him to exude confidence, cool, composed confidence. So I, I know this is, this is maybe we're splitting hairs, but, like, I don't care if he's not that motivated or if he's not that energetic or that enthusiastic. I want him to execute. If he can execute, fine. So I don't know if it's as much related to not being intense and matching that emotion as much as they're not there yet from a precision point of view. And forget about Chase Claypool because he is so up and down. You don't want your offense to be that. You want to be like this. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, Claypool got into it today with T.J. Edwards. He was barking at at, at Jalen Jones, uh, you know, the second team defensive back, and and he had to have multiple people, including Cole Komet, college tell him to calm down, you know, like enough, Chase, just enough. And so that's not what we're looking for. I, I'm with you to a point in terms of like making sure that the precision is there, making sure the execution is there, making sure the focus is there. But I do think that there is an energy that needs to, to, to start in the huddle. And I do think there's an energy that if you do um, a either have a play that produces a first down that you can kind of create that energy momentum going or B as what happened many times uh, on Wednesday at Hallis Hall, when the defense is, is is knocking you down, kicking you while you're down, and then talking to you while they kick you while you're down, you better not just sit there and take it. And I think there was right. an element today of the offense kind of taking it. And I think it rubbed Justin the wrong way. I know it rubbed offensive coordinator Luke Getzey the wrong way because he got he was very upset at the first unit offense for for kind of meandering back to the huddle. You know, like it kind of kind of. I don't know if sulking is the right word, but whatever, you know, one level above sulking is where, where it's just like, let's go, you know, like, yes, they, they, they've just got us to go three and out two times in a row, but let's get back in the huddle and let's have some urgency. Let's have some passion about it. 
Yeah, I'm going to get to what Getsy said in a moment, but I think, yeah, and I am kind of splitting hairs here. I think what I'm talking about is mental toughness. And I think when you're mentally yeah. tough, you have the ability to distinguish when you need to turn on the nasty and when you need to, to kind of push back and yep. when you need to keep your cool when somebody's trying to instigate something and get inside your head. And the most mentally tough quarterbacks and athletes that we see and we know are the ones who are able to calibrate that properly, play-to-play, series-to-series, game-to-game. So that's what you're looking for offensively as much as anything. Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator, who I think can probably be a guy that you can get that adrenaline going a little bit. I think he can be a little bit excitable. He, he addressed this after the practice in, in, uh, in front of the Bears media, and this is what he had to say. We don't play with we don't play touch football, so I'm I'm okay. I'm not gonna overreact. I got I got I got probably more emotional than anybody else did because I was getting. But uh, yeah, it's t- that was touch football. That wasn't real football. So we'll, we we're a physical football team. We run through tackles and all that stuff. So I'm not gonna get too uh, overworked up about that. We did see some of that emotion uh, at the end of that 11 on 11 move move the ball drill. Yeah. What, what was it? That well, that's the natural thing, right? When you have two or three three and outs, you you have uh, you have this natural reaction to feel sorry for yourself. And I and I just sensed that you know the guys weren't running back to the huddle the way they always do, and so that's where you know some someone had to step up. That's that's what you don't want, Dan. You don't want the body language to be screaming, we don't want to be here or we're tired or anything or we're beaten or we have no confidence. That's what I mean. There's such a fine line. You know when you see it and good coaches are able to get their players to respond a certain way so they don't look like, you know, they they are they're tired and seeing the practice and they're looking at their watch. So, so, so there's a couple notable things here. The reason this is significant today is because this was the longest training camp practice to date. It was the most physically demanding training camp practice to date. We got up towards two and a half hours on the practice field here at Hallis Hall. And there were guys on the offense that noticed things flat and low on energy very early in practice. You can't notice those things in the first 15 to 20 minutes and not have them change two and a half hours in. And so that results in in, in a stretch. You know, the Bears going to seven on seven. Justin throws back-to-back interceptions in seven on seven and follows that with two incompletions. Ball's not supposed to hit the ground in seven on seven, and you got four consecutive reps where the defense is either taking it the other way or knocking it down. Not good. You get in the 11-11 period, and you have three consecutive series where you go three and out against the second-team defense. Man. That's not promising, you know, and look like they'll tell you and they'll put the positive spin on it afterwards to say we're not game planning for our defense yet. And we're trying a lot of things out in training camp, throwing a lot of different concepts out there. It's not all going to be clean and, and pretty, but there is something that comes to, to having the urgency. Look, like I've talked for months now about what's going to happen in two weeks when they go to Indianapolis. If the Indianapolis Colts kick you in the teeth in one of those crossover practices and you just, you know, in Luke's words, walk back to the huddle feeling sorry for yourself. It's going to be embarrassing. You know, this isn't bears against bears. It's going to be bears against Colts and you're going to get embarrassed against an opponent that, that that's going to leave you with a lot of second guessing going toward the regular season. So maybe it's a good wake up call that this happened. I will say this again, like going back to my earlier statement to watch the, the, the first unit defense going against the twos today and not only playing well, but then telling the second unit offense how well they're playing. There was, there was an edge on the field and Brad Biggs, who, who's, in training camp number 23 covering this team said he can't remember a training camp practice during his entire time on the beat that was so one-sided for one unit over the other defense was that dominant today and you got guys like Jaquan Brisker making plays talking about it there was one moment where at least five possibly six defenders were uh, surrounding Bayless Jones after a dropped pass and and literally almost baiting him to respond and no one from the offense even came to get his back for a good 30 to 45 seconds and so it was really one-sided in that end and and Tremaine Edmonds we just got done hearing from him on Wednesday afternoon he just said look as a guy who comes from 
defenses in Buffalo that were really good and developed that edge. It was fun to, to, to watch that today, fun to listen to that today, to see the plays being made and that, that, that ball of energy just start to pick up steam and momentum in a way that, that really becomes infectious. Well, because that can help compensate for other shortcomings. You can have, you know, it, not always, sometimes talent is always going to prevail, but if you have that edge, if you have those intangibles, if you're smarter and more intense and you don't take any plays off, that's the attitude you can control. And I think that's what Matt Eberflus and his coaches are looking for. So that's interesting observation. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. I want to get back to Getzy for a moment because yeah. there's been a lot of conversation about DJ Moore because I think he's probably, you'd agree, been the player of training camp offensively so far. And Luke Getzey addressed – how did he address what DJ Moore means to the offense, Dan? Well, well look, like, like we've heard a lot here really since the spring and now into to training camp about um, some of the nuances of DJ's game that make him special. You know, he's got this kind of deceptive speed. He's got this quickness, but it's, it's, it's the way he uses his body that has really caught a lot of people's attention. We've heard Justin say he's got very easy body language to read for a quarterback. You can tell where he is in his route and where the ball needs to be delivered and how to get it there. We heard Tyreek Stevenson earlier this week, talk about his body control is really frustrating to play against because he has a, a knack for, for making plays that that most humans shouldn't have the ability to make. And so Luke kind of uh, went on top of this as a guy, obviously remember like Luke started uh, his time in green Bay coaching receivers. Um, he's got a, a background in coaching receivers. He's got an appreciation for what high level receivers look like, spent a lot of time uh, building a bond with Devonte Adams. And so here were some of his comments on, on, on how DJ Moore has caught his attention. Such a powerful man. Uh, his his play strength and, and balance and body control are his strengths for sure. Uh, um, he has patience when the ball's in the air too. Um, you know, like that's a that's a talent that I remember James Jones talking about all the time back then. Like just having the patience to let the ball come to you and not let the DB know that the ball's right there, you know, and, until it's already caught. And so, I mean, you can see those in him. And so it's, it's been fun to uh, let the young guys kind of w- learn that from him. Luke, what has DJ done kind of for the rest of the wide receiver room too? Like, has he allowed them to kind of play more to their strengths and, and settle into roles that maybe they were a little bit out of last year? I think most importantly, I think he's gone in that room and taken a really good uh, leadership spot. And I think he does it by his work ethic, uh, his humility. Uh, I mean, that guy's a grinder. Um, he's all about his teammates. 
and when he makes a mistake, he owns it. I think that's all invaluable stuff that every young player uh, is able to see. And then the relationship with the quarterback's important to him. Uh, and so those young guys, again, learning learning the, the way to be a pro has probably been the best thing that we've been able to have with DJ in the room, On you know, despite all the the good stuff he's doing on the field as well. Interesting, because I think that's the example you want. That's the production you're looking for. And the Bears, again, the, the wide receiving core are going to be among the most interesting to see develop. But I think, think it, they have a chance to be one of the strengths of this team. There's no question about it. And, and and so, you know, look, like this is a work in progress. We understand that. Luke also talked at length after practice about um, Justin's progress in the in the rhythm and timing part of the passing game and, and, and seeing that come along on a daily basis. The one thing that, that Getsy will bring, as we've talked about many times before, is just a, a, an ability to um, properly interpret a rough day like this in a way that, that isn't panic-stricken but still provides uh, some direction and purpose to the guys in his room. And, and I think, you know, today it was look like we're seven practices into camp. Um, there's a lot we're working on. There's a lot of mistakes being made on every single play, and we got to get them cleaned up. And, and to hear Justin talk about it today, like, you know, there are things that that are controllable you know it's route precision it's the communication in the huddle it's knowing what you're seeing pre-snap and it's it's working through all those things so that when the ball is snapped now you've given yourself a greater chance of success and and the sloppiness doesn't become the defining trait of of the afternoon that's coaching that's good coaching before we move on to the offensive line a couple questions there i, I want to know darnell mooney obviously talked about the growth in justin fields difference from one year to another he obviously talked about his own progress and it's hard to tell that he was ever injured but i wanted to ask about something specifically he said that might look worse uh on your computer screen or your phone on twitter than it sounded coming out of his mouth at the podium when he said about the quarterback needing to have the juice having the the, the quarterback needing to be the guy that prevents this flat uh, performance from from occurring it could look like he was pointing a finger at justin fields and maybe he was but you know the relationship rapport is good enough that the respect exists what did he mean and how did he say it that's a good question, David, because, uh, yeah, I can see how that, you know, having sat in the room, it didn't it didn't even register with me as like, ooh, you know, that's going to be something that, you know, pro football talks going to turn into a headline this afternoon. Uh, it, you know, out of Darnell's mouth, it's just kind of a sincere assessment of the day and what was needed. As you mentioned, those two are very close. So I didn't take it as a shot at Justin or even anything that was critical. It was just, hey, look, like Justin's still a young player. He's a third year quarterback. He, he's got growth to make. And one of the areas that that growth is, is potentially needed is is just being a tone setter in the huddle. And and if it is flat, okay, QB one, like to take the reins here and, and, and you, you, create it, you know, create that juice, create that energy and we'll follow, you know, because you are the guy we're all following right now. And everyone in the world understands that, you know, we, we, you, the last episode that you and I recorded, we're talking about people in the outside world talking about Justin playing an MVP level, you know, like, like we're so many steps from that. It's ridiculous. But if we're going to, to set, high goals and, and high benchmarks, well, then there's a lot of little things that come with playing the position that are, are prerequisites for getting there. We talked about that Netflix series on uh, uh, quarterback and, and and you've watched Patrick Mahomes operate on the sideline in the huddle after, you know, good plays and bad plays. And you feel that he's the charging station for the entire group, you know? And I think that's sort of the demand now on Justin is to get there. And I think that's all Darnell was saying. I mean, maybe he'll, 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 go to Justin later uh, and say, Hey man, like I just, so, you know, this is what I was trying to get across when I sure. spoke to he's media, not but I didn't... Kind of, he's not the kind of guy either. He's not the kind of player. So I think that it's good to provide that context because you can understand what he means and why he said that without jumping to a conclusion that doesn't need to be reached. 
No question. No question. All right, so offensive line. Uh, Tevin Jenkins left practice. Nate Davis missed another practice. I know they don't discuss injuries, but um, what happened with Tevin Jenkins? And this is somebody is no stranger to the injury tent. Yeah, I have no idea what happened to him. And no, nobody in this building is going to tell us. And so we're going to have to use our own eyes in the days ahead. The Bears will have an off day on Thursday, return to practice Friday and Saturday at House Hall before Family Fest on Sunday. You would be hopeful that Tevin Jenkins will be back at practice as soon as humanly possible. Because to your point, we've talked about the potential in this kid. We talked to Tevin on Tuesday about how much better he's gotten at understanding um, the physical maintenance part of this job and the things he does to to put himself in position to be more durable, to be more available. And then the very next day, he's leaving practice early. Don't know what the ailment is. You know, we'll have to figure it out. He's a guy that has talked to us at length about the attention he has to pay to his back because he has had surgery he has um you know things in his back that have bothered him before don't know if it's related to that don't know if it was a hamstring pull dehydration whatever i'm not sure but the biggest question that we've had about tevin jenkins really since he got here is is is, is he going to be able to play 15 consecutive games for you at any point in his career and to do that you're going to have to be available and so luke gets didn't know what had happened to him he did say that uh he, again that you know accountability is based on availability um and so the hope would be that tevin gets back sooner than later and the hope would be that nate davis would be right there with him because to your point for a guy who missed a couple weeks of practice in otas to now have missed the first two padded practices of training camp you start saying we've, we've spent all this time hyping up what this offensive line could be well all of a sudden they're not whole you know and now we got lucas patrick on one side of cody white here you got Alex Leatherwood mixing in on the other side of them you've got the defense dominating the day and and it's just like oh man can can Chicago handle <laughs> another roller coaster of this proportion uh, particularly if it's unsettled on the offensive line and it, and it provides another uh, element of instability to an offense that needs as much stability as it can find well, anywhere both guys I think merit scrutiny one because Nate Davis uh, or Tevin Jenkins, first of all, is a guy with a, with a pretty significant injury history. And so yeah. when he leaves a practice, I don't think it's like it is almost a headline. And it, it is, is something that you feel like, you know, you jump at the conclusions because he's earned that kind of skepticism. And, and as for Nate Davis, you know, I thought it was interesting and telling uh, on Wednesday morning, Brad Biggs was on the Moline Haw show and I asked Biggs about the same thing. And Nate Davis is there. What do you think? And he's like, well, He's missed a lot of games in the past. So this is, you know, look at the back of basically look at his track record and he has missed games with injury. And then you start to think like, well, yeah, that's exactly right. What exactly are they getting here? Do we know in this veteran who's supposed to provide stability if he's going to be on the field long enough to provide stability? No question. And that's why re- setting realistic expectations, both on the micro level with individual players and on the macro level with the entire team is, is paramount to having any level of sanity in 2023, because I think we've spent so many months uh, in the outside world considering best case scenarios across the board. And the best case scenario here, best case scenario B, best case scenario X, Y, Z. Well, you start to see some of the worst case scenarios and you go, oh, God, <laughs> right. And, and worst case scenario is being less than two weeks into training camp and having two of your very valued starting guards out of practice. Now, maybe they'll both be back and won't miss another day from this point forward. But to your point, the the scrutiny is earned um, and it certainly deserves to to, uh, have the spotlight on it until the spotlight's no longer needed. Okay, I want to talk to you on a couple of things defensively before we get out of here. Tremaine Edmonds addressed the Bears media today and it does seem like 
when he talks every time he gets a little more comfortable, a little bit more acclimated. He seems to be, I can't believe Danny's 24 years old. I, I just don't <laughs> believe this guy has been in the league as long as he has seems to be as comfortable as he is. And he's 24 years old. And still, I think he's going to emerge as a leader of this defense, if he's not already. Oh, there's no question. I mean, it's it, right now, like the guys that, that step up on a daily basis that, that seem to establish themselves in that leadership role are Tremaine and Eddie Jackson, which Quan Brisker are close behind. And, and Edmund's ability, again, to, to, to make his presence felt um, not only as a leader, but just in the middle of that field. You know, you have Luke Getze and Justin Fields both talking about him today in a way that, you know, Justin's saying, man, like you look across there and there are, are windows that you expect to see against most defenses in the NFL, but because of how rangy Jermaine Edmonds is because of his length, because of his height, those windows aren't as big <laughs> as you'd want him to be as a quarterback. And it's a little bit intimidating. And so uh, it's a good thing for Justin Fields to experience during training camp. It's certainly something that the bears invested in Tremaine uh, Edmonds because they believe that, that he has the, the, not only the speed, but the size to make a difference in, in the middle of the field and close down windows that other quarterbacks feel like should be there. And so, you know, I know we've talked a lot about his um, need to create splash plays, his need to be, part of takeaways for this Bears defense but if he can be just a guy that 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 flusters an opposing quarterback's eyes you know six to ten times per game now all of a sudden you've got a, a huge asset and a huge impact player oh it was a day ago that Justin Jones a, a player who is their prototypical three technique guy the guy who talks a lot and they had a decent season I guess in 2022 but he was talking about his role on this defense Dan he also talked about one of the two rookies, you have Pickens and Dexter, and he talked about Javon Dexter, and this is what Justin Jones had to say about the rookie. Next. Yes, it's a man right there. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. I think uh, <clears throat> I think once he uh, really understands, you know, the X's and O's outside of just, you know, the D-line, like understanding the whole defense and, you know, how offenses like come and try to attack certain defenses and certain styles of play, I think he's going to be a real, like, real dominant player in his league. Is he leaning on you at all talking, asking questions? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, when he has questions, he'll ask me, you know, but he's a smart player. He takes really good notes. Uh, you know, he, he, he absorbs a lot of information, so that's a good thing about him. And I, I do feel like he's going to play a long time in his league. I was telling us about have you seen him grow, Jervon? Have you seen him grow from maybe the first OTAs until now already? Uh... You know, I I don't think we're done seeing him grow. You know, honestly, I think that we're just seeing the, you know, the the first glimpse of Javon. In my opinion, you know, he's uh as the intensity's picking up, he's picking up. That's how I see it. So you know, we get pads on tomorrow. So you know, I honestly I, I would expect something huge out of him because you know he's he's a real physical dude. So yeah, he's he's a he's gonna be good. You talked to Dom the other day just about kind of his off season and what he's added to his skill set. He said that because he isn't a natural pass rusher by trade since he. Changed change positions that the you know his off-season review was go out work with somebody who's done this so he worked with Robert Mathis what have you seen from him as far as him adding to his skill set that's going to make him a better edge rusher since he didn't have you know the years of experience that someone like yourself well first of all he is a natural number one you know, if you see the way he moves and how he bends and the ankle flexion and the way he works his moves and gets around the edge, like that's like God given ability. That's not like something you can coach. So he, he is a natural. I do think that as the years go by and he does get the experience, I think he's going to be a, a, a really, really good. He's, he's been a really good rusher this camp, but I think he's going to be even better as the years go by. And he gets more experience because, of, like I said, he does have those God given abilities that allow him to do certain things that a lot of guys really can't do, that a lot of guys spend their offseason trying to be able to do. So, you know, that just comes naturally to him. 
him. So I think he's going to be really good. Cody was telling us that Jervon is, you know, using his leverage, using his weight, a little push, push, pull stuff early on. That's maybe a little surprising to see out of a rookie. So like maybe you see that out of a second, third, fourth year player. Is there anything else that you notice with Jervon that makes you go like, wow, this this rookie is maybe using some veteran moves here? I mean, he benches like five hundred pounds. <laughs> 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 so, David, that, that's that's Justin Jones talking mostly about Jervon Dexter. The third question in there was him talking about Dominique Robinson and the, the year two jump that, that he's trying to make after working with Robert Mathis. But what was most notable to me about the praise from Jones to Dexter is that Jervon Dexter is basically nipping on Justin Jones's heels to take his job as the three tech you know, difference-making guy in this defense. The Bears are going to need a rotation. Those guys are going to be part of a rotation this year Waves. and share some of that. Yeah, share some of that role. But that's notable for for a veteran who uh, has a guy coming in on 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 his heels to, to be that praiseworthy of. That's why I liked it. That's why I liked hearing guys like that talk about young players, showing them the way, providing the example, paying it forward in a way that somebody did for them earlier in their career. The other reason, Dan, I thought that was interesting to play and I mentioned Edmonds and I know this happens every year, not every year, but like those bears defensive players, uh, they're a confident bunch. And, and I, I'm, I'm sort of like struck by why they're a confident bunch and they're coming off a 14 loss season. I know a couple of them are new to the franchise and organization, so they don't know any better. Others are rookies, but, but Dan, I think that if you asked players on the in the Bears on defense what is the strength of this team I think as absurd as it almost sounds I think they would say the defense is the strength of this team or will be this year because I think that that's the way you've got to approach it if you're on this defense because you've got a defensive minded head coach uh, a, a very disciplined kind of um, uh, defensive coordinator that wants everybody you know talking about assignment football even though I, again, thinks it's ridiculous to consider because I think it's one of their weaker points and why they're going to be limited. I think defensive players probably think that they're going to lead this team. Well, the problem is what we've talked about for months is that the pass rush still leaves a lot to be desired and they still yes. haven't addressed the edge rusher position and DeMarcus Walker was missing from practice today and, and you know that's a guy you paid a lot of money to come in and be the teeth of your edge rush and you, you don't have a lot of depth there. And so that, that's what leaves me to, to, to kind of temper the expectations on that side of the ball. That said, you bring in new guys with, with confidence and, and ability, whether it's a Tremaine Edmonds as an established veteran, whether it's a Tyreek Stevenson as a very hungry rookie, whether it's a second year guy like Kyler Gordon, who is, you know, making those strides. You, you, you invest a high draft pick in them and you develop them. And now you start to see some of the fruits of the development and you go, okay, this guy can be a real difference maker in the slot. And so things are moving in the right direction defensively. They had nowhere to go, but up coming off of last season, obviously, but there are pieces there that give you a lot of optimism and a lot, a lot of confidence. And I know we've talked previously about Brisker because man, like this dude is nasty, man. He's nasty. He is fun to watch practice and it's hard to find players in the modern NFL with the way camp regulations are that are fun to watch practice at training camp. And Jaquan Brisker is one of those because of the passion he brings and because of the instincts he plays with. Well, yeah. Let me be clear too. I don't expect them to be the strength of the Bears team. I don't expect the defense. They might be. They might be. But I think that they might believe it, and that's all that matters. That's almost like good coaching. And it also brings it back to what, you know, watching Matt Eberflus and the variety of interviews and, and opportunities he has to speak during training camp. He had an interview with Scott Pioli and Stacey Dales on the NFL Network. Yep. And he echoed something that you've heard before and you're going to continue to hear again. Ryan Poles 
whether it's retaining some of Ryan Pace's guys or getting his own and drafting and signing his own guys, they're getting players. It's a small thing, but they think love football. You've got to love the play. And when you love the play, typically your confidence comes more easily and they believe things that may not be true. So even though 14 losses, that's last season, that's for guys like us to talk about. They don't care because they think that this season is going to be different because they're better and they believe they can lead this team. That's what I think is kind of exciting about this Bears defense because they do start with a blank slate. Nobody thinks they're going to do anything. And the opposite of the Justin Fields effect where he's got all these high expectations to meet and he could throw for 3,500 yards and people think it'd be a disappointment because he's not a superstar MVP. The Bears defense has nowhere to go but up. So if they hold the Packers to 17 points and win 19 to 17, they're they're like doing cartwheels because they won that game. And they think they're capable of doing that every week. I mean, it sounds cliche because, you know, like, why would you be a pro in something that you didn't love? And, and the Bears have talked forever about trying to find guys who love it. But I think they do genuinely have guys on defense who love it. And when you have a, a group of guys who love it, it creates a, a momentum. And, and like one of the coolest things happening inside this building right now, I'll bring up Brisker again, is just the relationship that he has with Eddie Jackson and the way that those two have bonded essentially, David, over what you've talked about, just a genuine love of football, a genuine love of talking football, a genuine love of getting together away from the facility and going over things that help them both get better at football. And so that's that's where the momentum gets created. And the momentum creates the confidence, which creates the swagger, which creates days like today where you can kick an offense in the teeth and then you can tell them about it. And, and we've watched 2018. That entire season was fueled by that type of mentality where they walked into a, a stadium knowing that they were going to impose their will on another offense. And I, like, I still get goosebumps thinking of the energy inside Soldier Field for that primetime game against the Rams and what they did to back up that energy that was in the building that night and completely shutting down a team that was on its way to the Super Bowl, you go, man, like that that was it. Like that's the secret sauce. That's the secret recipe. And they're trying to rediscover that again five years later. Hopefully they're making strides in the right direction. Good stuff. Good practice day for the defense. The offense will figure it out. And if they don't, we'll continue <laughs> to talk about it anyway because that will be a huge story. But it's only the beginning of August, people. Don't overreact to get too carried away. But whether it's good or bad, we'll be here to review it all and talk about it on the Take the North podcast. Anything we overlooked, Dan? No, look like, you know, again, the, the intensity of camp is ratcheting up. And so everything from this point forward, we should have a series of longer practices. We should have a series of longer uh, team stuff, 11 on 11 stuff that allow us to, to make bigger value judgments on what we're looking at uh, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday morning. I guess it started in the morning and ended in the afternoon. Was not a great day for the offense, was a really good day for the defense. And we'll see how both sides bounce back when they get back at it on Friday. Sounds good. For Adam Sazinski, our producer, Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune at Howell's Hall. I'm David Hoff on the Mullen Hall Show and 670 The Score. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. Thank you for watching us on the 670 The Score's YouTube page. We will talk to you next time with another practice update from Howell's Hall. Great talk. See you out there.